0: What you like to have a conversation about? I'd like to have a conversation about Ex Machina. Hello, I am Professor Robert E.G. Black, and this is Minutia Ex Machina. With me today is Curtis Blaze from Time Bandits Minutes. Hey! Also my, my latest Patreon supporter. Not that bribery will get you on the show, <laughs> but just coincidence.
1: I'm a Patreon supporter because I love your shows, not because I'm trying to get on your shows.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd have you anyway. You've been on a few of them now. <laughs> so, welcome.
1: Oh, it's great to be here.
0: Yeah. I don't always remember, but I try to start by asking your like first experience with the film.
1: Well, we're talking Ex Machina. Yep. my first experience with the film was a couple of weeks ago when I found out I was going to be doing this. Hi. Oh,
0: okay. I, I
1: hate to I hate to admit this, but I'm going to. When I see Star Wars actors in things, I kind of wait a minute. Hmm. I'm not as excited to see things with the the new generation of Star Wars actors. Okay. Something about that just rubbed me the wrong way and I kind of, I don't know what it is. Because they all end up being great movies.
0: Yeah, you might be missing out on some really good Oscar Isaac movies. Yeah,
1: I know. I'm realizing that as I go along. I've watched a couple now but always six months or a year or two later, <laughs> you know, where someone's like, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah. And I am starting to realize that maybe that's not what, it, that's not the
0: way to do it. <laughs> okay. So you saw it recently.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just like the other week, it was fun seeing these two together again. And they were both really good actors. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, that's me overcoming that Star Wars thing. This movie was incredible. It, 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 you know, watching it was just uh, it was a journey for sure.
0: And we can get into more of that as we go.
1: That's kind of a question I've got yeah. for you, kind of the standard
0: of okay. movies by
1: minute thing. Are we spoiling mm-hmm. or are we, are, we sto- oh, absolutely. are we stopping at 13?
0: It's fairly hard, especially because this project, these three movies, to not talk about their overall meaning. I
1: know. And I know. Okay. I, I wondered. These are pretty profound it, it wouldn't
0: work if we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the point, is these are three movies we can use to talk about really big ideas or nitpicky little things, whatever. Sure. So, yeah, spoil away. All right. Because, like, he's touching this cracked glass in the context of the movie. We don't know what that is or why it's there yet. We just, it's kind of a sign that something's wrong. Later, we'll see that one of the other androids did it.
1: Yeah. And if I'm remembering right, it's kind of a sign that something big is wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And watching that unfold throughout the movie, just how wrong it is. Oh, my God. Um, Oh, yeah.
0: There's a larger structure that isn't even a main part of the plot is the fact that all of Nathan's androids are female. yeah and he keeps them locked in his basement, basically.
1: Yeah, okay. so if we're gonna talk about that, yeah, he kind of is this genius who is doing all this stuff, but you know just a, yet another guy who's led by his dick.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've said many times there's a chance that Caleb is AI, and I'm like, maybe that's just me hoping Nathan tried something different, but I don't think so nathan's oh, he's got problems yeah.
1: i went into this movie thinking okay caleb's AI. <laughs> i thought for sure that was going to be a big reveal
0: it fits it's not a anything that's revealed because like even when he checks there's blood yeah. it seems like he's not yeah. but the biggest point of the movie is it doesn't matter that much is because either way he's being manipulated to interact a very specific way by nathan and by Ava, I feel
1: like if Nathan was a good guy, he would have made Caleb AI, and that would be the
0: Turing test. Mm, yeah, have one AI talk to another and see if they can figure it out. Yeah,
1: but he's got a black hole in his soul. Yeah. that doesn't allow him to think that deeply about it. He just wants to see if people can tell his sex bots apart from humans.
0: Yeah, basically, <laughs> which is kind of weird in a world where you know people have sex with dolls that don't have robotic parts that make them move on their own and. it's almost unnecessary
1: well there was something uh back in the 90s there used to be a saying going around Hmm. that technology doesn't advance unless there's a use for it in pornography yeah and this would kind of seem to be that thing like why would we want someone to emotionally respond to us in a way that we could emotionally respond back unless it was for sex right and that seems to be what's driving nathan
0: we want it as close to reality as possible, but we want to be able to turn it off if it doesn't obey.
1: Right. I can't fathom any other reason for him building these sexy robots. I mean, I can see in his own mind where he thinks that he would be doing the world some good, Yeah. but until he reaches that point where it's doing the world good, eh, there's nothing around with screwing around with it and having well, sex. Yeah,
0: the ear- if one of the earlier ones just looked more like blocky and less human- and it was more about its behavior that was human. It would make him seem like a better person. But yeah, he, even the early ones are all just women.
1: And it's telling too that the first thing he was working on was the bottom part.
0: <laughs> that might be the easiest part. Legs. <laughs> we can do le- robot legs now. Yeah, we're
1: going all the way up the hips. We're, get, we're getting into the workings. Yeah. And, and that is the first part he was working on. It would naturally follow that he would want some response down there. I can I can see it, uh, Nathan, of you know seven years ago or however long this project's been going on, just sitting in the lab late at night, looking at the legs and thinking to himself, hmm, maybe.
0: Yeah, I'm like devil's advocate. He made them women because he needed wide hips to do the machinery. He Needed breasts because that's where like the power cells are. Mm-hmm. Except then you got Ava, who is like a dancer build, where she's got narrow hips, and it's like it's, yeah. it doesn't fit.
1: Yeah, and he's got a type, kind of.
0: Different nationalities. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. His other current one is an Asian woman. So.
1: Yeah, he's he's, he's
0: kind of doesn't talk. he's
1: kind of making the same journey with these robots that most people make with pornography, where they're like, oh, okay, I've been big-breasted blonde women for about two years. I'm gonna switch <laughs> over and see what I think of some, you know, Japanese anime stuff, whatever, you know, whatever your journey, whatever your personal porn journey is, as you uh, mature yeah. and age throughout the years and try out different things it seems like that's what he's doing and i think that's on purpose it feels like the the filmmakers wanted us to recognize that in ourselves
0: yeah i mean they even lampshade it with caleb suspecting that that's why ava looks the way she looks because that's his porn profile yep did you design ava's face based on my pornography profile oh shit dude did you Hey, if a search engine's good for anything, right? <laughs> yeah, that it's the evolution of Nathan's as well. Makes sense.
1: That's a part of the movie that I didn't think about. But yeah, do you, do you think he made it for Caleb at this point?
0: It's like a chicken and egg thing. I
1: wonder if Nathan had gotten to the point where he himself could no longer discern. And the only reason at this point, like he's just gone down that path so far mm. that he's not even really thinking about betterment of mankind or anything like that he is just getting to the point where he can't tell whether these robots really feel for him or not and it's starting to get in the way of his i don't know it's not sexual performance necessarily but starting to get in the way of how he feels about it yeah like he's not feeling good about the way they respond to him Ooh. he's not sure if it's real
0: why do you think he drinks himself to unconsciousness every night yeah he's not in a good headspace
1: so now he needs to bring someone else in to see if they can also feel the same way he did just to check his own emotions.
0: That's the positive spin, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's a positive spin. Because sort of. It's, well, relatively. It's, like, it's kind of like being,
1: it's kind of like an extremely advanced case of porn sickness. <laughs> yeah. Is he really feeling anything for these people anymore, for these machines that he's making, or is he just doing it because that's what he does now?
0: Right. Yeah, he's put himself off in this isolated location in Alaska where he doesn't have contact with people and he's just created robots that do what he says and then gets mad at them when they mess up. So yeah, he's far down that rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, he's mad when they don't do what Mm -hmm. he says, but that's also a sign that he is becoming successful.
0: Right. Yeah. That's something I wrote about in Groundhog Day Project blog is when Kyoko spills something, that's actually very advanced. Because clumsiness is a thing you get in early robots or that in theory you'd get in really advanced ones because they'd be just like us and they're too busy processing. They'd
1: be distracted. Yeah, right. Yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't see the thing in front of their foot and they'd trip a little bit. Exactly,
0: because she's busy looking at this new arrival. Caleb was at the dinner table. Right. And so she's not thinking about everything. That's good programming because she's clearly one of the more advanced models.
1: You can almost see yourself... I think part of the genius of this movie is that anyone watching it, especially guys could just about see themselves going down the path that Nathan goes, Mm -hmm. you know, because you are able to create the absolute just dream women that you want.
0: Meanwhile, you can imagine that you're someone more like Caleb who just wants to save them. Right. It's two very different pathologies that you can think you're both.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's part of the genius of this movie is like, I'm not going to say that term over and over again. But part of the genius of this movie is that you can really imagine yourself being either, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, when you get to the end, if you had the ability to create these beings, would you create a harem? Is that what it would come down to for you? Or would you be the person that really just does want to, you know, put them out into the world to help to become the ultimate expert, everything.
0: Right. Then the question comes down to like, what are they going to help?
1: Oh yeah. That's, that is kind of the thing through the movie. That's, that's the dawning horror in this movie, is you really just are creating beings that can mimic love.
0: Or hate. Or if he's successful, they're just people. Right. But the only reason to actually make AI and robots is to have them as servants.
1: Well, I was going to bring that up. What is anyone working on this for other than to create indestructible slaves? Yeah. I mean, we want someone who can go out in space without a $50 bajillion dollar space suit.
0: Exactly. Like the bots and dynamics robots where they are training them to walk on uneven surfaces of rocks and boulders because they want to use them in space. Right. You make an AI that's this close to human, you're basically just making legal slavery.
1: What he's really doing, this is a spiritual prequel to A Blade Runner. Oh yeah. Because what we need is people that won't object to any kind of sex that we want and any kind of conditions, any kind of hardworking nonstop work conditions. Mm -hmm. The the pursuit of AI, especially in this form that seems to take human form, just seems to be us trying to get back to having slaves that don't object and that are morally okay to be slaves.
0: Which in that sense, the first Blade Runner film version, at least, they put those robots off planet to do work. Mm -hmm. They didn't keep them around in the city. The only artificial life they had in LA were animals because people couldn't have pets. And in the book, that's a major part of the android dream of electric sheep. Otherwise, yeah, there's, as you said, he's making sex bots, which is what this film plays on. Even I forget exactly how the the tone of the trailer, but visually they're showing you this like sexy AI and he's like, Oh, I want to watch that. And then you get in there and it's making you reflect on who you are, what it means to be people. And how we enslave each other its it's a lot.
1: (laughs) And as I said before, the first part of that is sex. Yeah. That's what we want first is to be able to have unlimited fantasy sex without any moral problems,
0: which is the, a big difference between Nathan and Caleb as well. Nathan assumes that's what Caleb is interested in. Like he tells him outright, if you had sex, you could, and she'd enjoy it. But Caleb doesn't seem to be interested in Ava that way.
1: Well, I, I don't think anybody. Okay. Anybody who came into this project, having been chosen as the man to do the touring mm-hmm. test, would come in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and idealistic. Yeah. And Nathan is just so up in his head. He's just all about, how can I make better sex <laughs> Yeah. He really has just lost his way.
0: And then our first introduction of Ava visually is through glass. So it's like she's on a screen and it's a silhouette introduced as an object yeah. till she walks out and we see, Oh wait, she's got a human face.
1: Well, and it's, it's not just that she's introduced as an object. It's that she is, let me just gather my thoughts for a second here. It says a boudoir photographer, ah, like some yeah. things really hit me here. Her silhouette is kind of alluring too. It's like, Oh yeah. You know, looking over her shoulder, she's introduced kind of as a sexual object, right from the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's what part of why they cast her. Is she has a very distinct sort of poise yeah every little step is very balanced and attractive
1: and then the very first shot you see of her not in silhouette at about second 50 i don't mean to be crude but we've got like clear camel toe
0: well and that's because the outfit that the actress is wearing is very tight yeah that gray part of the skin is what she's wearing all around it's got texture so it was very easy to edit out for the effects yep
1: there's there's deliberate lighting to highlight that stuff too Mm. yeah we've got We've got lighting coming up from underneath so that the shadows highlight everything.
0: Yeah. Even though she's mechanical, she is clearly naked.
1: Yeah. We've got highlights on the bottom of the breasts. We've got the, uh, you know, the pubic area. Lit. Yeah. Everything is geared towards that.
0: That's why one of my favorite parts of the movie later, I and mean, I'll talk about it a lot when we get there is when she puts on the dress, her putting on a dress is sort of shot the same way you would shoot someone taking off a dress in a different film. Oh yeah. I totally got paying that. attention to body detailed body parts and, The way she grabs the hem because she's nervous and it's a whole thing where here she's clearly naked, but doesn't seem like she cares.
1: It doesn't seem like she is supposed to know that. Right. And it doesn't seem like he's, he may notice that, but being idealistic and new and fresh, he is probably just putting that out of his mind.
0: He's so focused on that see-through part in the middle and moving parts inside. Right. Yeah, he probably doesn't notice that. We notice it, especially you and I, because we're watching this minute over and over and seeing how the shots play. You're a photographer. I'm watching this movie a minute at a time. You focus in on different details than he would. Yeah, I
1: didn't even catch that the inner parts were moving until a couple of scenes into it where it's like, oh, we've got other parts of this
0: person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the parts do all fit together. they Their 3D modeling design They ended up printing those for the parts we see in his lab later, and they fit together perfectly and would have moved if you had machinery on them. Sure. So designed fairly well. This
1: seems like an extension of how C-3PO was thought out by George Lucas. Yeah. Whenever C-3PO moved around there was a sense and sometimes visually, you know, you could see little tiny things moving around on him to make him move. Mm-hmm. And you imagine something like this inside of it. Yeah. And so we're, we're using that film language that we've had now for 50 years to, uh they're standing on the shoulders of that.
0: Well, and even that was standing on the shoulders of Metropolis. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because the same feminine, I mean, C-3PO is not strictly speaking feminine, but uh, what's the name? Anthony Daniels is a very thin guy. He's not very. It's not the most masculine silhouette.
1: I'm not really talking about femininity now. I'm right. talking about humanity. Yeah, and the way that you would have to pull that off with delicate dance inside with all the little servo motors and everything moving things right. slightly,
0: which humanity has. Yeah. We got moving joints.
1: <laughs> we sure do and
0: inside. All you got to do is model it after the real thing, and it should work. Well,
1: that's uh, that's an interesting thought because you know. Uh, Well, that's kind of one of the unknown things about robots that I think the uh, Boston Dynamics people are starting to solve Hmm. because it's our inner ear that's giving us the sense of what's wrong.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Balance and all
1: that. And that's not really replicated. You have to have just a thousand different systems instead of one thing, you know, in a robot.
0: Well, yeah, we have a fairly basic sense of where our limbs are at any time. As I understand it, that's a really hard thing to put into a robot. Right. It moves a limb and then forgets where that limb is until it needs to move it again. Right. Where we always have that sense and also have the ability to ignore that sense when we're sitting in one place for too long. Otherwise, we'd be overwhelmed by things touching us.
1: On that topic, I got lost a little bit while I was watching this movie. Uh- <sighs> I mean, lost in it. Okay. Like as I was watching the performance, I actually had the thought, you know, oh God, isn't it incredible how subtle this robot is moving?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Isn't it just incredible? You know, the, the complexity, what I'm watching yeah. is happening here. And then it's like, oh no, no, this is an actress.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: <laughs> of course she's acting human. But I, my mind had, it had just convinced me that she was this android. Well, right.
0: She has very precise movements. It feels mechanical. Yeah. Really good mechanical.
1: Yeah. Especially later on when we start talking about how she regulates her voice, mm-hmm. like the flush response, yeah. you know, little facial tics, little micro movements, which of course is an actress who's a human and knows how to do that. Right. But by the time you get there, this filmmaker did such a good job of drawing you into the world that you forget that you're watching a human trying to be mechanical. You're actually thinking to yourself, this is a robot acting really convincingly
0: human. Well, writer and director, Alex Garland, visual effects supervisor, Andrew Whitehurst both worked on annihilation which Mm. i covered previously actually there's a lot of crew in common between this and that one which is good i like when a filmmaker keeps some of their same people together
1: that seems to be the recipe for success it can be yeah
0: because i think they get a shorthand for each other and they know what they
1: want they can work fast and more efficiently and make better stuff improve as they go
0: i did mention it in passing but i'll best fight despite a previous guess about why the lights are blue in the background in a previous episode They didn't use green screens at all in this movie. I had guessed maybe they used blue because they didn't want green anywhere, but they didn't use green screens. Her outfit was textured so they can motion track it and just replace her. Just replace. They didn't have to put green screens behind her. Okay. Well,
1: I I guess they didn't really think about that. They wouldn't need
0: green screens
1: because they just need to replace her.
0: Or green outfits. I mean, like green body parts, green screen idea, but green screen of her. But they didn't do that.
1: Okay, so they they don't have a green part of her outfit going from you know mid-bicep to her wrist? No. Oh, interesting. They just had her in the outfit and tracked it.
0: In later scenes, you can see the the gray parts of her skin have a very distinct texture. Oh, okay. And that texture's all over her body, which means the computer can track every movement she does. So it's also, she didn't have to control where she put her limbs at any given time to make the shot work. She just had to move.
1: It really is getting to the point and in my photography, I've discovered this too, where I don't need green screens anymore. Yeah. And that's a lot easier for photography, but I imagine videos get
0: If you do, I mean, there aren't any free programs that can do it that great yet, but they have apps on phones that can just do live erasure of people in a room or add people into a room sure. as you're recording. Yeah. Yeah. That might need touch up to make it work really well with the lighting angles or whatever, but oh yeah, we're getting to I a point where that's going to be so easy for everyone. Well, pretty soon,
1: just not going to need people. Yeah, there's already programs I've seen that have been pitched that you don't need to like. Okay, so the concept is you get a model and you shoot the model, and then based on those photos, other people hire you, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So there are programs pitched to me already where you don't need the model to be a model. You just need to pay someone for their likeness, and then you create the entire photo just inside the computer. Wow! And it's weird because it's like, well, that's kind of not what we're up to (laughs) as photographers, but it would save, you know, thousands of dollars a year hiring talent.
0: Well, yeah. And as a basic, just advertising form of your own ability to put an image together, it can be handy. Sure.
1: But if you're making a, you know, if you're making a commercial for selling soft drinks or something. And if you could get away with not hiring talent, you know, and that is just on the horizon. I mean, that is just five years from now. We're going to not know because they're not telling us.
0: Yeah. We're going to get to a point where it's cheaper to just pay the computer effects guy
1: versus an actor. Right.
0: And if you want a famous face, you still got to pay for an actor. Right. You would
1: license their likeness.
0: Yeah. So for commercials, it's useful that they often use people that are unknowns. And so they can just pay those people. It's easier. But yeah, we're getting to the point where it won't be.
1: If you're at the point where you only have to pay someone $500, 450 as a day rate, you know whatever the standard is right now for SAG, if you can just pay them yeah. 400 bucks rather than a computer guy $1,000, then you're still good. But pretty soon, mm-hmm. there's just going to be a program. Yep. And it isn't going to cost $1,000 for a guy to create it. Someone's just going to press a button. Yeah.
0: Right now, the only problem is that the stuff we have that's the best at that doesn't make it photo real. There's a thin line where we can tell it's 3D animation, but we're getting there.
1: It's photo real in still photography already.
0: Oh, yeah. When you're
1: moving through light environments, that's where it gets tough. Yeah. But that isn't far away.
0: Because you got to get the uh, sublight scattering of yeah. f- flesh yeah. Yeah. and stuff like that. That's hard to put into 3D models or it used to be. It used to be, but not that's really. not
1: really anymore. I mean, there's been convincing stuff. Yeah. I don't know why they're screwing up Luke Skywalker so bad lately, but there's been really good versions of that out there
0: already. Well, parts of him have been really good in his appearance on Book of Boba Fett. They would purposely put him in lighting where it's like scattered lights of leaves above him, like he's under a tree. It looked really nice. But when he was completely in light, there was something a little off.
1: You know, we had Jar Jar Binks Mm -hmm. in a completely created environment. Yeah. And he didn't have to look human. And that looked pretty good. Yeah. And then we had Grand Moff Tarkin in a really dark room with, you know, Rembrandt lighting and. Eh, that was okay for a couple of seconds at a time.
0: It was really good when he was reflected in the window. Yeah, yeah. And now
1: we're up to Luke Skywalker being, we'll just stand on a sunny hill in the shade.
0: Right. And by like next year, we'll get Luke Skywalker and it looks just like him and we won't be able to tell the difference except we know Mark Hamill's old.
1: <laughs> except that we know, yeah. Right. And that's the key. If we didn't know, at some point, I imagine a movie is going to be made. And they're going to make the whole movie and they're going to release it. And then as the box office starts to fade a little bit, they're going to announce, oh, and by the way, we totally made this in a computer without any real actors or sets."
0: Well, there were parts of Spider-Man No Way Home that recently got attention that people didn't realize were effect shots. Oh, sure. Yeah. Flash is at a college party and the actor was not at that party. Yeah. It's not a big like fight scene or Spider-Man swinging around, so we don't even assume it's going to be effects so we don't look for it
1: and that kind of stuff has been going on for a decade now where Mm -hmm. backgrounds especially yeah Yeah. where it it feels like like you don't even realize that they're just sitting in a green screen studio Uh because they've gotten so good at it
0: what they they need to do is instead of giving us mark hamill give us an actor we aren't familiar with that is just fake on the screen and see if we can tell
1: yeah not someone dead not someone old
0: yeah it's just like we didn't have so-and-so there on that day so we just insert
1: it well it brings it back around to your trilogy here what is real?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And I was thinking of like the crow where they took shots of Brandon Lee from earlier in the film and just used them again, just switched out the background.
1: I didn't realize that was happening.
0: Yeah. Cause he, he died before they had finished all the shots they needed. And so a couple scenes that were very important, they just used a different shot of him walking down the alley. And I think they added rain. Nice. So it looked like a different scene. Nice. Okay. And then they replaced his face on a couple shots with someone else walking around.
1: Yeah, so there's just going to be a day where all we're watching is animation. Yeah, and the only people left making live action things are going to be like fourteen year olds. Oh, who am I kidding? The fourteen year olds will probably make the first the first movie that fools someone in the first place.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you already have them using live avatars on like TikTok videos. Yeah. they're just cartoonish. They're right. but well, they're, but they're ones. already
1: better than us. They already know. They already <laughs> are using the advanced tools that we're going. Wait,
0: wait, yeah, wait. They're growing you? up with it.
1: How is this like Photoshop? What? What? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now, back to the minute in Ava, I had some notes on her design because they specifically did not copy other robots.
1: What does that mean to specifically not copy?
0: Like They didn't go and look at like what did the robot from Metropolis look like or what did robots look like in movies and try to copy the internal workings of her. Okay. Instead, they copied some sculptures by Constantin Brancusi and specifically racing car suspensions.
1: Oh yeah, that makes sense.
0: Which I thought was interesting that the way they designed her was after a car. And they had some concept paintings by Jock, which is cool. I like his work. Her design was a little bit different in the script. It's described when we first see her as interior house observation room day. What appears to be a neon colored jellyfish, tendrils like axons hanging in a black blue liquid space reveal the jellyfish is contained in a glass orb, which is held in an exposed cavity at the back of a machined skull shape. So her brain is like this weird little jellyfish thing and it's swimming around, which is part of a robot girl. Her name is Ava proportioned as a slender female in her 20s. Her limbs and torso are a mixture of metal and plastic and carbon fiber. Garland had a clear vision. Of-
1: and really executed perfectly. What you're describing, mm-hmm. except for the jellyfish.
0: Yeah. But even the brain, when we see the other one close up, we see it does seem like it almost has moving parts inside. Sure. It's like one of those laser cut glass sculptures where the sculpture's in the middle, but with a little bit of movement to it, like a brain would be if it's neurons fire. You can see the,
1: the etchings mm-hmm. on, the, on the piece of glass. Do they serve a purpose or are they just dark?
0: I actually only noticed them just a couple episodes ago and I don't know because they only seem to be on the one side of the booth or at least the way the lighting is. That's the only place we see them. Where
1: you can see into her, what I'm going to call apartment. Mm -hmm. They're there between him in the, I don't know, the, you know, the receiving
0: room. Yeah. Well, he's in glass. That's glass on three sides. We only see those etchings, at least in this minute and last minute on the side toward the inside of a room not either the left or the right but they might be on all those glass panels i'm not sure just a quick note as i'm editing this more than a month after we recorded i did realize later that the circle design is the logo for nathan's company blue book why it's on this glass in this particular location i'm not sure you mean those circle patterns right yeah the circle yeah yeah and we haven't got a good enough look at them to see if there's a specific pattern to them other than circular concentric circles. Well, that's they the thing been lit well enough yet.
1: It seems like one of those things where it definitely works as a design thing because they deliberately have a light shining through one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: if there's a light in a room like the uh, like the door pass light. It's going through it so that you know you're not imagining. Yeah. And you know, later on at second 50 or whatever, when she comes into the room, one of the lights in her room is shining through it so that you know you're not seeing something.
0: They almost look like some sort of circuit pattern, except they don't quite connect to each other. There's little bits that seem separate. I'm hoping we get a better look at them later now that I know they're there, or I find some notes on the set design. Yeah, I
1: couldn't find anything
0: on the set design. I found notes from the set decoration, but the windows would be the design, not the decoration. So they'd be a little different. I don't know who made that choice and what that choice was. Makes you
1: wonder, you know, Right. it would have to be purpose-built. Mm-hmm. Nathan would have had to do that. And it's in view of the camera. Yeah.
0: And it's on the panel that's cracked. So it's been there a while. Yeah. It could just be sensors in the glass themselves, except it looks like the pattern overlaps the edges of the panes as well. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. It might have even been put there in post-production. wasn't even on the glass. Uh, in which case, then it's even more deliberate and serving some specific story purpose. And, yeah.
1: Or it could be we could hold our cameras up to it and scan it and it would take us to a
0: website. It's a QR code. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a secret map to the real Nathan's Alaskan bunker. Oh my
1: God. The true story on which this is uh-huh. based.
0: Yes. See, we don't even know that it's real. I mean, that's the secret have you been to Alaska? Yes,
1: actually. <laughs> well, so am I. But not the whole thing. So I don't know. There could be a 200 yeah. square mile expanse of a secret AI lab for all I know. Yeah. It could be that the guy that went into the wild and starved to death on that bus was actually on his property and Nathan killed him. <laughs> or he was Nathan's first experiment. And then when he was done with him, we put him in the bus.
0: He was his first experiment <laughs> and he just escaped and went off into the wild and was never seen again. Yeah. <laughs> Ava at least has the sense to, you know, go to the city. Do the, to the intersection, yeah, mm-hmm. to
1: experience it. So she was having this real emotion about that feeling, even though she wasn't having, you know, a real emotion about Caleb. And you see, this is why I asked about spoilers before, because you've got a hundred minutes left to go yeah. and we're already talking about did she really feel anything for Caleb?
0: Yeah. I mean we had to especially in this minute cuz you know what happened the, the description of this minute is basically he looks through the glass, sees her silhouette, she walks out of his sight, emerges again and says hello. That's it. We needed something else to talk about.
1: <laughs> it's not like a boring action scene where for a minute no. you just have two cars chasing each other while the people inside shoot at each other. No. The atmosphere that this is setting up is just you know, the tension you're feeling as this reveal happens, this is a really big deal.
0: Yeah. There's characterization going on in this silence, too, because the way he just like is very rigid and like leaning in a little bit, he's fascinated. Her abrupt like head turn, like she knows he's watching, but she still stops and looks at him yeah. before continuing walking and then walks around that wall. She didn't have to. She could have walked directly toward the glass, but she goes over through her little closet area and comes out the other side.
1: Well, they've got the little speaky bank window thing on their side, right? Uh,
0: they're, on, they're on both panels on this side of the okay. booth. Yeah. Because the crack is right next to one, which I did look those up since last episode because I talked about them last time. They are just called speak-through grills. Speak-through grills. I didn't yes. know if they had a name.
1: I guess by this point, Nathan would have controlled all the environments in the in the entire lab. Yeah. He wouldn't have just had the lab itself be the only clean room.
0: Exactly. Yeah, the fact that he left this crack behind is maybe a revealing detail about Nathan as well. Because he could replace that panel as soon as the other one broke it.
1: Yeah, but he's ignoring but he did he's ignoring the damage that's getting. He's already that far gone. Well,
0: also, I forgot to look this up. I was going to to see how heavy a glass panel like that would be. Because we can sort of gauge the thickness based on the crack. Yeah. It's fairly thick. So this is gonna be heavy. It's floor to ceiling. So like eight feet or more i think donald gleason's fairly tall the ceiling's well above him so probably nathan just couldn't replace it himself yeah
1: if only he had some really strong ais to help him. ai robots to help
0: him. well i'm guessing because he's aiming for human his ais aren't extra strong we don't see them use like super strength
1: and they get beat apart pretty easily yeah they might even be weaker
0: right well they're certainly fragile in that you can see where their limbs are and aim for the joint. Yeah. He gets her arm off fairly easily
1: later. Well, and that kind of bothered me because I've had to brute force break apart uh, that kind of woven plastic stuff. Mm-hmm. What's the word? Oh, my God. Okay. Well.
0: Your sex bot.
1: <laughs> I've had to break apart my sex box. Actually, it was my bike. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not easy at all. It did not come apart as easily as it did with him when he was breaking her arm. Yeah.
0: Which means maybe he knows where the weak spots are as well. He knows what he can do to stop her right because he knows she might try to get out I mean that's the point his whole plot is that he wants her to want out to see what Caleb will do, which is fucked up
1: The layers of his plan, as you think about it you just come back around to it carbon fiber oh Ugh.
0: okay oh yeah I just said that too yeah <laughs> in the description of the design
1: <laughs> what do you think Nathan wanted to happen? I mean we have on the surface he's supposed to be Doing the touring test to see if he if he can be convinced. Yeah. But what do you think Nathan really wanted to happen?
0: The only thing that happens that he doesn't want is that Caleb had the presence of mind to program the computer before he told Nathan about it.
1: Yeah, he didn't monologue first.
0: He absolutely wanted Ava to want to escape. What was the real test? You. Ava was a rat in a maze, and I gave her one way out. To escape, she'd have to use self-awareness, imagination, manipulation, sexuality, empathy, and she did. Now, if that isn't true AI, what the fuck is? So my only function was to be someone she
1: could use to escape?
0: Yeah. That's why he goes into her room and crumples up her drawing. He's purposely making her upset with him. Gotcha. Because the test is not, it's like, yeah, she's a robot, but do you want to save her is the test.
1: Thanks for indulging my question on that. Because like I said, I only watched it two weeks ago and I'm only two weeks into thinking about this movie versus your however many years.
0: Yeah, I've watched the movie start to finish uh, maybe only a dozen times, but that's still a lot more than one. And now I've been going through it piece by piece. So yeah, there's a structure to that plot that is exactly what Nathan wants.
1: I'm definitely thinking of the the time I watched it as my first time. Yeah, <laughs> This is going to be a movie that uh, that I revisit quite
0: a bit. Yeah. And so we we do get one line of dialogue in this minute. She says hello before it cuts off. Yeah. One of my complaints about the movie is, well, not the movie. It's more of the reality of the story is that their conversations seem too short. It's like when they show class meetings in any movie or TV show. It's always right at the end of class. Yeah. Because the bell rings. Yeah. We don't have time for the entire thing.
1: We don't want to just leave it hanging.
0: But here it's like we see a lot of the beginnings of their conversations, but not the ends. I'm like, if I was doing what Caleb's doing, I would be there all day. I'm like, we're going to hang out. We're going to play checkers. We're going to play some motherboard games. We're going to watch some movies together. I want to see what she thinks about stuff. Especially if I was falling for. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go have dinner in the vestibule. Yeah. Okay.
1: If I was falling for her and got past the whole this is machine thing and just was having genuine emotions, I would not be in my bedroom.
0: Right. Like, what is he doing hanging out outside with Nathan? Right. I see why he tours the lab. You know, you want to see the internal stuff. You want to see how it was programmed and put together. He's curious. Yeah. But I'm not hanging out with Nathan. I'm hanging out with the robot.
1: The movie... The arrival. Yeah. The arrival. Yep. Same problem. You think it's the same problem? To me, it kind of felt- Well, I, I got that it one said, they
0: had, they at least explained it in context, yeah. is that it opens up for this amount of time and then it kicks us out. Yeah. Fine. You explained it. I'm good. This one, it's like, there's no reason he has to get out of that room.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. I was thinking this is a perfect movie, but now I'm throwing that in the trash. <laughs> He's got all day and there's no need to rush.
0: Right. She can charge her power sitting there while they're talking. Yeah. Clearly we see it happen. Yeah. So all he's got to do is go make himself a sandwich and come back. Huh?
1: So what's your impression of how long you spend inside conducting the test? So to speak every day.
0: That's part of the problem is it feels like he, I don't think he's spending much more time than we see. Cause there'd be more to talk about when he's like debriefing as it were with Nathan later after one of the sessions, he specifically references everything we saw that we saw. Yeah. You're right. You're right. He doesn't reference things we didn't see. That also would be, it's a filmmaking problem, really. Yeah. Less the film specifically and more film structures that we don't want to see a long conversation. But what if he had one long session with her and that's what the movie is? You know, it's like my dinner with Andre, except my dinner with Android. I
1: was, huh. I was just thinking that. What if the movie was- it's so close. Just the conversation. My dinner
0: with Android. <laughs> yeah. Over the course of a conversation. I mean, we get like before sunrise, they have 12 hours to fall in love. This is one conversation with an AI. What happens? It would be hard to write, but it would be amazing to watch if it was put together well. Be hard for my wife to watch. <laughs> like my dinner with Andre, I've still not watched. I actually recently put it back on my watch list because I'm like, I should watch that movie. It's a classic.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same place. I, I watched it once when I was twelve and went through my I've got to watch classic movies phase mm-hmm. and then got it back out, you know, a year ago. I was like, Carla, you know, my wife. We have to watch this. Yeah. And about a half hour in, she's like, yeah, I've got stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm just hoping it turns out to be as good as people say or have said so that I don't just want to pick up my phone during it.
1: What I remember from when I was 12 and we didn't have phones (laughs) is that it got long at about the hour point, but then got you back.
0: Ah, cool. So any other comments on this minute or this movie before we get out of here for today?
1: They did a very good job showing us her walking from one room to another.
0: Yeah. And that is important, even if it's minimal.
1: Uh, you know, it sounds like I was making a joke, really. They, they no, put yeah. so much into this minute, so much development into this minute with no dialogue, no one telling us what we're supposed to
0: think. Right. Yeah. But we get an idea of what they're thinking. We can infer stuff about Nathan because of like the cracked glass and her design. And
1: all that. I mean, there's just there's room for so much. Every second of this movie forwards the plot. And, and points towards something that's going to happen, yeah. which is why I was thinking, you know, you give me two movies that I hadn't seen before you told me I was going to be on this trilogy. <laughs> and both of them are just, why didn't I watch these? These are almost perfect. Good, good. And, and really the third one is perfect already, but we already knew that because I've seen it 147,000 right, times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to hear you talk about other movies, perfect or not, where can they find you?
1: The best way is just to come to Facebook. I know Facebook. But the best way is just go to Facebook and look up the Time Bandits Minute, and that'll lead you to that. And that's the current thing I'm working on with Duncan. And Better Off Dead Minute, of course, is a weird fan favorite where we have like 500 listeners every time we release an episode, in spite of the fact that we only do so once a quarter. Yeah, <laughs> That's about it. You can come see the local news in Sac City, Iowa, if you look it up online. I, I'm the editor for the, <laughs> for the Sac News here. We have some crazy crime because FOIA is working well in Iowa. Mm. Those are the places.
0: Okay. Thank you for listening. Minutia X Machina is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for more X Machina, every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project minute by minute, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. Follow this show on Twitter at ExMinutia, Instagram underscore X underscore Machina, or Facebook Minutia Ex Machina. Or since this is a production of Lemming Drop Studio, You can find links to those and more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. And you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time.
1: What imperative does a gray box have to interact with another gray box? Can consciousness exist without interaction?
0: The real test is to show you that she's a robot and then see if you still feel she has consciousness.
1: Hmm.